I tell you to be different and creative and think this way. A much used business cliche. Kayla. What is outside the box? You got it. We're flying high with the wings and talking all things lacrosse. You're now listening to the Outside the Box podcast right here on Underground Sports Philadelphia. everybody welcome in to another episode of the allegedly award nominated outside the box podcast it's episode number 199 we're on the cusp of 200 episodes of this absolutely absurd podcast that you guys listen to each and every week and we appreciate it and we're allegedly nominated for an award because of it uh we got a lot to dive into on this episode we're gonna recap quick hit everything that happened in week one of the nll we're gonna get into our picks of the week uh brought to you by our Good friends over at Pickup for the NLL Week 2. We're going to get into just talking about a little with this PLL Top 50 list because it's driving DJ to potentially have an aneurysm, and I'm kind of okay with most of them. Uh, And then we're also going to get into a feel-good story of the week from uh, Lacrosse Twitter. And uh, obviously, you guys saw, we've been on Twitter for three years, so we're going to start off before we thank our sponsors. Thank you guys for rocking with us. Uh, on the Twitter machine for three years, it's been, we might have to write a book about OTB just because of the journey we've been on. Um, but we, we friggin' appreciate the living hell out of all of you guys for rocking with us on Twitter. We had an amazing opening week on the social media machine, uh, for the NLL. So we can't thank you guys enough, uh, for rocking with us for three years and hopefully many more to come on Twitter. But before we get started, big thank you to our sponsors, Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. Guys, you can go to TomahawkShades.com right now. Still cash in on deals before the holidays. Use our code USP at checkout when you got blue light glasses, sunglasses, hoodies, t-shirts, hats, watches, you name it, they got it. Whatever you need in your cart, put it in there. You get 25% off your entire order with our code USP at checkout. That's code USP at TomahawkShades.com at checkout for 25% off your order from the homies at Tomahawk Shades. Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. Get the vodka soda party packs at statesidevodka.com. You got to be 21 or older to purchase. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And the homies at Kenwood Beer, I'm going to be seeing them. By the time you guys are listening to this on Friday, I'll be swinging by Kenwood Beer to catch up with our homies there when I'm in Philly for media day for the Wings. Uh, Go to kenwoodbeer.com. Use the Kenny tracker to see who's got Kenwood on tap. You got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly dj week one of the nll is in the books it is so good to have lacrosse back you and i were uh absolutely living the dream uh as our good friend matt would say uh throughout this past weekend it all got started with friday night lacrosse out in san diego with the the ultimate i need caffeine game because those 10 o'clock starts on the east coast are rough but this game provided 
all of the drama, all of the fun that you could have needed. Uh, and, of course, the 25-year-old rookie, Adam Charlambides, nets the game winner, and Vancouver pulls a big-time upset over the San Diego Seals to start the season, and I don't think the return of the NLL could have gotten started off in a better way. No, I don't either. I think it, it made me feel very much how that Cannons-Redwoods game made me feel. You know, that game popped off the PLL season, and look at what that turned into. Like, that was such a great kickoff, and who else than a Rutgers alum cashing out for a game winner. I mean, I love Alan Sharby. He's like so good. Dude's crazy. He fits that Warriors team perfectly. Like I'm, I'm a huge Michigan fan. Obviously Michigan isn't quite up there in the cross yet. We're coming. We're coming, but it's almost criminal to vote, like to root for, for Rutgers, but (laughs) I loved rooting for Rutgers because Adam Sharnabides was that good. He was that dude. Um, Dane Doby made his debut, obviously scores, because that's what Dane Doby does. Mac O'Keefe, if you guys thought Mac O'Keefe was a, a disgusting, ridiculous goal scorer in the field game, Mac hit one of the best goals of the weekend uh, against Vancouver for his first goal of his career. My goodness, man. What a what an absolute steal San Diego got with taking him. And he is going to be such a pivotal part of what they do this season. Even in a loss, like this is a loss that sucks for San Diego on the surface. But seeing what their young guys were able to do with Mac and Trey LeClaire, they've got something cooking. And I think once, you know, the rust comes off the tires a bit and they get a little bit more chemistry flow and San Diego is going to be as good as we have predicted them to be. Yeah, I definitely think so. Like like I said, you know, it's a chemistry. Like you said, it's a chemistry thing and getting used to each other. And you bring in a big personality like Dane Doby, who had a ridiculous bounce shot that went mm-hmm. right into the bar. Oh, Bouncers will my. go. Oh, that that right there, I was like, dude, I need more of those. Like seeing, <laughs> seeing bouncers in boxes, just, it's different. Yeah. It, I loved it. And it's just like that popped off because I think that was his – that was his second goal, but that was San Diego's second goal of the game. Like, yeah. That kind of popped things off for them a little bit, picked the game up. And then Trey – or not Trey, Mack. His bomb, I was like, oh, my. Filthy. Filthy. And Trey was unbelievable. Like, I knew Trey was going to be very good in the box game and in the NLL. He blew my expectations out of the water week one. I mean, I saw it coming. He's not. He wasn't one I could root for in college. It's, <laughs> I, I absolutely can't. Like, <laughs> I'll be burned on a on a cross if I try and do that. He <laughs> wore those scarlet and gray. Um, but like, I mean, he was a star in college, and mm-hmm. he played well for the Archers this summer. Like, I kind of expected this. He's an offensive stalwart, and this fits into everything he's he's about. Yeah, and I mean, with Vancouver, too, the boy, friend of the show, MVP Mitch, certified hashtag backpack boy, uh, put the team on his back with Vancouver, and he's picking up right where he left off after the last season the NLL played. He was on record pace that in 2019-2020 to break all types of personal best records. He was an MVP candidate, and... Uh, He's he's right back at it uh, where he left off. Brad Challoner with one of the funniest tweets. Um, 
I gotta pull this up so I can quote him correctly um, because Mitch Jones is just that dude. Uh, I know you got a chance to watch him for the first time. Uh, how did you feel about watching Mitch Jones do what Mitch Jones does? I'm sure I te- I almost positive I texted you like a thousand times <laughs> with the words Mitch Jones, the names Mitch Jones in the text because like I was just appalled at how good he was. There was he just created shots that weren't there. He found the smallest bit of space and he put it in the net. Like I was just completely astonished with the way he was able to score. I was like, I thought, you know, guys like Lyle and Josh and, and Tom, you know, like those guys could score. And then I see Mitch Jones come out first game of the year, five goals and ways I've never seen guys score before. And I was like, no one like obviously like you ragged about him a little bit when we were going through uh you know preseason or our preseason picks for awards and stuff but nobody really told me anything about Mitch Jones and that was a great way to get introduced yeah i wanted to have you be a little surprised by his play but he's he's that dude he's a backpack boy he'll put the team on his back uh Brad Challoner he uh he tweeted during Friday night's game uh young Mitchell Durag with the hattie <laughs> <laughs> because Mitch wears that bandana do rag under his helmet, but it but Brad spelled it D E W space R A G, which was just hilarious to me reading that at uh eleven thirty six PM Eastern time on Twitter. I was cracking up when I was just like, Oh wow, young Mitchie do rag. Uh he's a certified menace. He's gonna be an MVP candidate again if he continues to play the way that he did on Friday night. Oh, absolutely. I mean you ask me, you can just give it to him. If he's going to come out and put up five <laughs> goals a game, just, just hand it to him right now. That's that's ridiculous. Like, yeah, five goals a game. Disgusting. Don't see that from anybody. Uh, in any league. And I mean, to have a one goal game with you know it come down to the wire. What a perfect way to kick off the twenty twenty one twenty two season. And then, as if it couldn't get any better on Saturday, we had three more one goal games, two more. Go to or I'm sorry, four more one goal games. Uh, three of those four go to overtime, and the first one was out in Halifax with the birth of the greatest East-West rivalry we could have asked for with Halifax and Saskatchewan. This game goes to overtime. Halifax gets revenge from the last game that these two played in. They win 12 to 11, a lot lower scoring than I expected this game to be. Um, but one, Halifax's jerseys looked absolutely beautiful, and they they played to win the game, and what a hell of a game winner they hit uh, to seal it. And just this rivalry, no matter no matter when they play, where they play, this game is always going to be must-see TV. Oh, 1,000%. I was watching this game, and I was like, oh, oh, this is, <laughs> this is what it's like watching NLL all the time. Yeah, I I loved that. I couldn't sit back and relax. I couldn't. I <laughs> was up and I was jittery and I was like, "What's gonna happen next? Who's gonna score? Who's gonna hit somebody? Who's gonna fight? Like, wh- what's about to happen next? I need it right now." And that game was just electric the entire time. The boy Tyson Bell with the the cell phone celly. Uh, what an absolute menace! He's he's just a, a certified weapon. And he's going to be so good with Halifax. Like, what an absolute steal of a trade 
for Halifax to go and acquire him from Calgary. Um, and I mean, we said it in our, our season predictions, like we thought the rush, it, it could go one of two ways for them. And obviously this is just one game. Uh, so for one, the rush to hang with Halifax in overtime, again, good sign uh, with all the turnover that they've had. Um, but this is, you know, this is Halifax being able to kind of seal the deal, win a game in crunch time, in overtime. And uh, they're going to be, you know, one of those top three teams in the NLL. I think we might have underrated Saskatchewan a little bit during our preseason predictions just because we weren't sure of all the turnover that they had with, with guys coming and going. But uh, I, I think it was a pleasant surprise to see this game go to overtime and still how competitive Saskatchewan's going to be. And then Halifax, you know, sealing the deal and making us look super smart, uh, both taking Halifax in our pick'em. Yeah, I'm absolutely terrible at picking games. Um, <laughs> I overthink everything, so that's my problem there. I just get too deep into the analytics of the game, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, it's going to go this way, and it never goes that way. So I did like the fact that they came through and – and made that work out. Tyson Bell was electric. I loved watching Tyson Bell in the box. The boy, we got to get him on the show this year. Oh, absolutely. I thought it was fun watching him play with the Cannons this summer. Yes. Absolutely wrong. It's just translating. That was so much. It was so much more fun to watch him play box. And But that Halifax team is very exciting to watch. And to see the rush kind of, it's like, you know, they have the pieces to be like really good. But like, you know, like what you said, like it's going to be a weird year for them, but they kind of just took on that role of being perennially good. Like they're like, this team has the history of being good. We have to be good. And you can see that, that they, that's how they're holding their stuff this, uh, this year. So I'm excited to see kind of what they're going to do the rest of the year. Yeah. And then for Reese Dutch to make his debut has a hat trick for Halifax scores one on the power play. Um, fantastic debut for him. Uh, Mark Matthews doesn't score a goal in this game, but has six assists, uh, and KJ 47, the boy led Halifax and assists in this game with four, the goalies saving as many shots as they did. Warren Hill with 39 saves and Adam shoot with 42. Um, that was absurd. And then Jake Withers with 19 loose balls in this game just he's a weapon man like again he's one of those guys that i think you know you talk about tyson bell you thought it was fun watching him in the nl in the pll watching jake withers go to work in the nll with how quick he is off the face off and being able to get loose balls you're gonna be blown away and not that you didn't respect jake withers already but i think you're gonna have an added appreciation for how fucking good he is yeah i liked his he has a very unique style of yes. play when it comes to face off and it's it hasn't quite rubbed off on me yet, like like you said. And but it's different, and and it works for him at a very high rate. So it's starting to to kind of I'm starting to like it a little bit. It's just it's not easy to get with because it's not like I guess traditional almost, yeah. but like it's not like a face off guy that I would think of. He plays right. a very different like he plays it as a transitional role. Mm -hmm. that's what he's like i'm a face-off guy no i'm a transition guy i do it all i, I do it all whatever is going to be done is going to be done and then i'm going to get off and like i i like it but like it also like scares me because i'm so used to whole fogo like you, yeah you face off and you get off um this game also massive for the brand because i think every player from halifax that's been on the show recorded a point 
Uh, we had, let's see, Luke Magnan, assist. KJ with four assists. Um, I think that might be it because Ben McIntosh now plays for the Wings, so there's nobody with Halifax. Yeah, good stuff for the brand. But you know who I was very impressed with in this game? That, like, it kind of just went under the radar because Reese Dutch made his debut. You know, uh, Tyson Bell had that fantastic celebration. KJ with four assists. Clark Peterson had five points in this game and led Halifax in points. Yeah, that was bananas to me. Two goals, three assists, and nobody's talking about that. He was just working. He's so freaking good, man. Like, he needs, one, he needs to be on a PLL roster next year because he's that good as an off-ball, you know, forward attackman, whatever you want to call him. Um, but in the NLL, his game is so freaking good, and he's on the perfect team to where he's going to be able to create and, and just have opportunities. He also had he five points, five shots on goal, four loose balls, only one turnover. Like, just disgusting. Like, I can't say enough good things about Clark Peterson. He's just one of those dudes that you just absolutely love. Um, great dude. And he's he's going to have himself a season this year if he just continues to contribute the way that he does. He doesn't have to score goals every night. But if he can be a creator for Halifax, man, what a team they have. They have a very nicely built team. Like, And I think it's more about the fact they – have so much fun with each other. Cody Jamison didn't even play in this game. Like, no, <laughs> come on. But like, it, it, they genuinely like each other. They have a lot of fun. Yes, they do. And and there's and there seems to be a pride in Halifax. Yeah, you know that comes along with the team. So putting all of that together, it makes it very easy to be good. And then you know you have guys like Clark Peterson, who at this point it's just his job to make points go on the board. However, they go up there it doesn't matter he just has to make it happen and so it, it's very easy for him to have a you know an mvp like season if he just shows up mm-hmm. he literally just has to show up and put on a helmet and he's gonna have a great year because he has all the pieces around him to do that yeah uh the next game that went to overtime same exact score i was in attendance for it it was one great to be back at the Wells Fargo Center in my seat up in the press box. Um, But, man, this game gave me so much anxiety going back and forth. Uh, But overtime comes around, and who else but Mr. OT himself, Matt Rambo, seals the deal for the Wings, and they get a 12-11 win over Panther City in Panther City's first uh, game in the NLL. This game was so much fun, first of all. It took a while for the Wings to wake up a bit, but the third quarter rolls around, they make some adjustments, and that second half was much better than the first half. These two teams combined for 100 shots. Um, Trevor Baptiste was an absolute menace, won the faceoff battle 25-2 to against Jeremy Thompson. Uh, and, I mean, the Wings, this offense, when they when they get clicking, are going to be... An absolute problem because they had guys like Kevin Crowley didn't even score a goal in this game, but they had guys scoring at a, a pretty consistent rate. Brett Hickey is is Brett Hickey. He's he's going to probably lead this team in goals if I had to put a bet on it at the end of the season. 
Um, all the American guys looked phenomenal for the wings, and I think that's a huge benefit for this team. And then the most underrated acquisition, I think, for this Wings team going into the season, Corey Small was phenomenal for them. Uh, I want to see his final stats here just to be sure that I don't mess anything up for him um, because he was great. He's going to be such a good addition to this team. Corey Small had seven points in this game, one goal. He scored the first goal of the season for the Wings, had six assists, uh, four shots on goal, four loose balls. Uh, one caused turnover, turned it over twice, but he was great. His goal was on the power play. He's going to be such a an added boost on the power play for the Wings. And uh, I, I was very impressed with the halftime adjustments that the Wings were able to make. Matt Rambo with six points in this game as well. Brett Hickey had led the team with eight. Um, ben McIntosh had a great debut as well. Two goals, two assists. Kyle Matisse got hurt in this game, um, but post-game Paul Day said that he... Expects him to be fine and should be playing Friday night against the the Riptide. So it looked worse than I guess it actually was. So good to see that Kyle Matisse, because uh, that injury looked bad. It looked like it, he hurt his neck, his knee. Like I wasn't sure what happened, but apparently he's good to go and he just hit the turf really hard. Um, the other aspect of this game for me, DJ, is Panther City is so fast on the floor. I was... Very impressed by how well they moved speed-wise and how well they spread the ball around because they had so many different goal scorers in this game. In the first quarter alone, it was a different guy every single time. Travis Cornwall scores the first goal in team history. Ryan Banesh scores for them. Liam Patton scores for them. Grennan scores for them. Triolo scores for them. And that was the first quarter. They had five goals in the first quarter by five different guys. Yeah, I was really excited to see them, you know, come out and be kind of that expansion team that looks like they're going to compete. You know, if they play like this all year, they're going to win a lot more games than we said they were. We're yeah. going to look really bad, and they might possibly sneak into the playoff. Like, they really have very nice pieces that come together uh, a lot better than I thought they would, and they did it very early. And I think it was probably just a plan to kind of push out and transition and kind of make it you know a, a sprint go mm -hmm. back and forth with the wings and kind of don't let them get in a settled offense too much and and kind of just keep pressure going i think that was kind of a game plan it worked out you know yeah. if it wasn't if it wasn't for thick boy they probably would have won that game <laughs> and i mean my goodness like matt rambo he lives for just scoring goals in overtime. I asked him about it post game in the press conferences and it was like, you know, plays actually set me up for that goal. He's the one that made it happen. Um, so giving credit to his teammates, which is also just humble. Matt Rambo always does it. Um, but I mean, thoroughly impressed by just the, the composure the wings had to, to find themselves down at halftime, go into that third quarter to kick off the second half and, and come out firing, scoring goals, the way that this offense should be operating. Um, great halftime adjustments, which we should all expect from Paul Day. He's one of the best in the game, if not the best, as a head coach behind the bench. And being able to go into that chess match with uh, Koluski and this one, TK coming back to Philly, it was uh, it was just a master class of coaching. The Wings score six goals in the third quarter, and that's ultimately you know what wins them the game. They were able to kind of bounce back from that first quarter that they gave up five. Um 
I think I, I was talking to a couple of media members up in the press box and I said, the biggest takeaway from the wings in this game is that they just need Brock Sorensen as quickly as possible because it's how they built their defense. They have a lot of quick shifty guys on defense with Steph Charbonneau, Joe Kim, Ryan Wagner, Krepensek back there, um, John Rannigan as well. But once you get that enforcer defender right in the middle of the defense and Brock Sorensen being as big as he is, it's really going to help in the middle of that defense in front of Zach Higgins. And as soon as he gets back, I think we'll see a much more complete defensive unit for the Wings. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week, and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. Oh yeah, I would 100% agree. Like I it was tough watching them play defense cuz like especially coming from a complete field background, like mm-hmm. a bruiser is very important. Like yeah. The guy that you sit on crease that goes out, you know, as your first slide, that's like an important part in Brock Soros and like is that guy. He's their bruiser, he's their enforcer. It's like it's like taking Graham Hasek off of you know, Halifax, yeah. it completely changes their defense. You don't have like that tough guy that's kind of just going to bear down on their best player and make it a hard day. Like having that guy that just wants to come out and make it the worst day possible for their best player is like so key. And for Brock to be that guy and not be there, it's going to be tough for them because you're asking a smaller, faster guy to now be big and strong. That's not easy. Yeah. And I think the the other big takeaway I had from Panther City with with their speed and their you know a bunch of guys scoring for them, the way they got out in transition was very impressive to me. Like they were able to kind of keep their offense wide. They kept things open so they could pass more. Um, and I think that really opened up things for their offense, where you were able to get Ryan Benesh in like shifty, craftier positions for him to score and kind of sneak up on Zach Higgins. Patrick Dodds had one amazing goal, and if they continue to feed him, he's going to be a force. I'm glad we put him in our Rookie of the Year uh, you know, ballot. Um, this Panther City team, I think we underrated quite a bit, um, mostly just because they're an expansion team. Like That's what happens when you're an expansion team. You don't know what to expect, but I think they're going to be very good. They're going to be a, a thorn in everybody's side in the West Division. And uh, they're gonna they're gonna cause some ruckus this season across the NLL. So I was very impressed with TK and company. I think another big takeaway from them too, and this is credit to the Wings. Panther City committed a ton of like major penalties where they had I think they had two five minute majors in this game that really cost them. Where the Wings were able to go out and score on the power play, they got to clean that up if they want to you know stay consistent and stay competitive because you can't be giving up five minute majors multiple. Uh, against a team like the Wings and expect to win. So I think they got lucky forcing this game to overtime with those penalties. 
Um, but that won't happen again against the Wings or against, you know, better teams in the West like a San Diego, like a Saskatchewan, or even a Vancouver, in my opinion. Like, you can't get away with having multiple major penalties uh, in a game with high-powered offenses. I mean, even if the offense isn't that good, you know? Yeah. Um, there's a team we're going to talk about later that did not have a good um, a good power play this weekend. Mm-hmm. But I also would say that if Panther City played them and gave them two five-minute majors, they wouldn't have a good game against them either. Yeah. You know, like you can't do that at any point in the league. That's kind of just something you got to clean up, but that also comes with learning a new scheme and playing with new players. And it, it's hard to – not pick up penalties because you're not on the same page. You're not used to what you, you know, you're all running something different than what you were running last year. And it's all different than what the person next to you was running. So it's, it's really hard to get on that page and not commit a stupid five minute major because you're trying to, you know, cover somebody else's slack or, you know, you slip up and now you just got to step up because somebody else isn't there to cover your slack that you were expecting. So hundred percent. Um, I think the Wings will bounce back from this. I think they have a great opportunity ahead of them Friday night against the Riptide, which we'll get into our picks of the week later in the episode. And I think Panther City is going to be a very good team and a very fun team to watch this year, especially after seeing them in person. Um, They're going to be a lot of fun to watch all year long. The next close game, not an overtime game, happened up in Hamilton, the first Ontario center, the Rock hosting the Firewolves. 10-9 final, Toronto wins this one. There's a couple things to take away from this game, but not too much. Very low scoring, obviously. Uh, For Albany, it was the Andrew Q show, which I kind of expected to happen. He's going to lead that team offensively. He's one of the the few pieces that they have that I think with this youth movement that they're going on with a bunch of the older guys leaving uh, in free agency, he's going to be a a force to be reckoned with in that Albany offense. Uh, And then Toronto won. The Tom Schreiber dunk goal was disgusting. Uh... Toronto holding on in this game, good for them, but also Albany sticking around and having leads throughout this game uh, was very impressive to me. Still don't know if they'll win more than three games, but this is a a good sign for them to make me look like an absolute clown. Yeah, I mean, you know, I will say I underestimated Andrew Q just because the first time I had seen him was this summer in the PLL with the Cannons, and, like, he started off well, and then, he faded off super quick. So I was like, I don't really know what to expect from this guy. And he comes out and just popped off. And I was like, oh, okay. This is the real Andrew Q. And, like, I kind of, like, went back and I, I actually watched that game and went back and watched the game on YouTube, like, mm-hmm. no games on YouTube, kind of just skipped through or, you know, looked at highlights. And I was like, oh, like, this is what he does. Like, he's an NLL player and he's very yeah. good at it. Like, so I kind of underestimated him. So to see him pop off and, like, and then, like, kind of just – he got some support. And I was like, this is enough for them to be good. You know, if they're going to play like this all year and the defense, you know, has a couple um, – a few less penalties and they make a couple plays, they win that game. Mm-hmm. And they probably win a few more this year than what we expect. And now, once again, we look stupid and Albany might sneak into the playoff. But I doubt it. Cause I doubt they're, it. They're, they're loaded. Very loaded, very loaded East. I mean, Q having six points and scoring four of the nine goals, that's good for Andrew Q, but across the board, you need more from the rest of your team um, in order to be successful in this league. It can't just be run through one guy, and you can't just have a bunch of guys scoring one. 
uh, like the Firewolves did. Uh, but the other takeaway I had from Albany is, like, Joe fucking Nardella, man. The boy. Friend of the show. 17 of 21 on the faceoff. He's just disgusting. Like, the... Him getting into the NLL and being on an NLL roster made Joe Nardella that much better of a player, and we saw that in the PLL bubble. We saw it this year continue. Obviously, it wasn't on that nuclear level. It was in the bubble, but he was still top three faceoff guy this year, um, and he's just he's so damn good with his hockey background in the NLL, and I, I just love watching him succeed and everybody just kind of being like, holy shit, where did this come from? You're a field guy, and it's like, nah, I can do it all. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, watching him take face in the NLL game was, like, it was weird because <laughs> it didn't look like he was trying to just win it forward. Yeah. Like, it looked like he was just – he looked like he was trying to win in control mm-hmm. and set things up for the offense, not, oh, I'm going to go score or give it to Zed and he's going to score. It was, I'm just going to control it, get it to the offense, they're going to set up and do their thing, and I'm going to get off. It was very methodical and very technical. I was like, I like this version of Joe. Like that other, yeah. that I don't like that other version. That other version blazes the woods time and time again. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit better this year, but you know he's blazing guys left yeah. and right in the PLL. And then this is just like, oh, I'm just gonna beat you and then get off. And I was like, that's cool. Yeah, and he's, he's so humble good. about it too. Still, like, yes, and he's just so good. Uh, it was just a bummer we didn't get to see him go up against TD, but we'll get into a little TD update later in the show. Um, but Toronto, Dan Dawson continues to move up You know the all-time scoring list as well in this game, and Toronto's going to be good. If they can win these scrappy like one-goal, two-goal games, even if they're low-scoring, that's good for Toronto. Um, and I'm excited to continue to watch them grow and, and be a, you know, a playoff contender uh, this season. The other one-goal game, overtime game, Rochester and the Riptide. Uh, Rochester ends up winning at 13-12 on a Thomas Hogarth overtime goal. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that's who scored the OT goal. Uh, the Riptide, they look good. The The crowd in New York was was very good. I was getting updates from a friend of the show, Kicks by Carly. She was at the game, and uh, the crowd was great there, which is a great sign. Holden Katoni did his damn thing for Rochester. Jeff Teat was Jeff Teat. Callum Crawford was Callum Crawford. And this was just a a very fun matchup that I think is going to continue to get better and better as the years go on. And it was Hogarth to score the, the OT winner. But this Rochester Riptide matchup, I think, is going to grow into a very fun rivalry, an interstate rivalry. Um, Connor Kiernan was great for uh, the Riptide as well. And I'm just excited to watch these two teams continue to grow for them to both kind of go head to head and, you know, battle this one out through the entirety of the game is, is great progress for both of these franchises. Oh, hundred percent. This game was so fun to watch and, you know, for them to be right down the road, essentially, you know, from Long Island, like that's, it, it's developing for them to absolutely hate each other, especially with how electric it was. Fans happy to be back in the Nassau Coliseum, so they were going crazy. You got Calvin Crawford and Jeff Teat to cheer for, or Jeff Teat to cheer for, and they're playing well. And then, you know, these guys come into town. We underestimated them. A lot of the league kind of, you know, didn't know what to expect from them with their changes, and they came out and showed that they're ready to play. 
And I was absolutely upset at you for not telling me how good Sean Evans was. I remember watching. <laughs> I that wanted game to give you surprises Texas. for some of these guys. <laughs> I was so like, no, Mitch Jones and Sean Evans are not surprises. Those are old friends of the practice. show. That's like that's like somebody not watching football and you don't tell them about Tom Brady. You don't do that. You don't not tell them about Aaron Rodgers. You you'd be like, oh yeah, these guys are really good. You don't tell them about like. Matthew Stafford. You let them watch Matt Stafford play with the Rams, and they're like, oh, my God, this dude Matt Stafford's good. You don't do that. It's like, Come on. You let me watch, like, I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think of somebody that's like – like Clark Peterson would have been a great example of somebody that you kind of just let fly under the radar. True. But, no, you told me plenty about Clark Peterson. And then nothing about Miss Jones and Sean Evans. It's like, this is amazing. I'm if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I'm looking this up right now to see when Sean was playing. Uh, so it was 18, 19. Um, I want to see if they, because I know Mitch played for Buffalo at one point. Oh, no, he didn't play for them at the same time. I was going to, it was right after. So Mitch used to play for Buffalo. Um, from 2014 to 2017 before he went to Vancouver. And then um, Sean Evans was there 2018-2019 before he went to Rochester in the expansion draft. But if they would have uh, been playing at the same time, whew, that would have been a disgusting team. Um, also kind of annoying that Mitch Jones is just not on Chrome Lacrosse Club like it was announced in 2019. He was supposed to play for Chrome, just never did he would have been disgusting on that team um but yeah sean evans is filthy friend of the program he's unreal he's one of the best to ever do it a lot of people don't like him uh he was part of that uh iconic game i always bring up with philadelphia and rochester the last time those two teams played with over 100 penalty minutes um i mean this game was just a lot of fun this is two growing franchises that you want to just watch succeed and uh you know it's Jeff T, it's Callum Crawford, and, and the rest of the crew for New York that I just want to see them continue to progress the way that they have. I'm excited. I'm going to get to watch them twice this week in person. They're going to be in Philly on Friday, and I'm going to be on Long Island watching them play Georgia on Sunday. So I'm going to really get an up-close and personal look at this team to see how they compete, how they play, because they have a lot of talent, and I just want to see it all kind of mesh together. And then for Rochester, I think this is a big-time win for them with, you know, bunch of new pieces, bunch of new faces on their team that uh, they just continue to progress. And I'm excited for this rivalry to hopefully take place and uh, be something that, you know, formulates throughout, you know, the next couple of years to build into a big-time interstate rivalry. Oh, yeah, I'm really excited for it. Like I said, you know, the, the fans is what made that game so exciting. So I can only imagine what it's going to be like in Rochester, especially – if they play like they did, you know, if those teams were to have such a close game again, like, you know, next year, these teams build upon Rochester gets better. New York gets better. Every year I see it getting better, not only together, but separately. Mm -hmm. So therefore like it just has to get better. And then I'm waiting for them to fight. The first (laughs) fight is really going to pop it off. And it's just going to create that anger. Like, you know, the Red Wings and the Avalanche have, forever hated each other since 91 Mm -hmm. that huge brawl happened and now it's just instant hate they're not even like a serious rival but there's all hate for the avalanche for that reason so it's like i'm waiting for something like that to happen where 
It's just something bananas, and then it's just like, okay, we hate them now, for sure. For sure. And, uh, you know, that was the last of the one-goal games, and then we had a couple, you know, games get out of hand, and I, I got a chance to sit down and watch most of this game we're going to talk about here with Colorado and Georgia. First things first, tip of the cap, hats off to the boy, friend of the show, Scott Ratliff. What an amazing job on the color commentary by Scotty Ratliff in this game he was so entertaining to listen to uh and i can't wait to watch more georgia games on tv because he was awesome uh colorado wins this game 16 to 11 zed williams with arguably already goal of the year candidate uh, behind the back from joey capito who was on his ass on on the pass and assist there um absolutely took the internet by storm colorado you know this game was close for the most part throughout if I'm not mistaken, it got away kind of in the third quarter. Yeah, so, I mean, it was it was 4-1 after the first, and then Georgia kind of played catch-up a bit, and it was 6-4 at halftime. Um, but then Colorado went on a tear in the third quarter and outscored Georgia 6-3, and then it was even in the fourth quarter, so Georgia didn't really have a chance to get back into it. Um, my takeaway from this is, one, I don't know if it was a mistake or not, but Georgia trading Zed Williams and trading Randy Stotts, even though Randy's not playing this year, obviously because of the injury he sustained in PLL training camp, trading those two so far kind of seems like a, a weird move um, just because the offense is solely like running through Shane Jackson and Lyle, and you can only, you know, you can only rely on two guys to run your offense for so long before teams catch on to what you're doing. Um, Lyle had four points in this game. Jordan Hall was good, but Jordan's kind of more of an off ball. He's not going to really crash into, uh, you know, the scoring as much as he used to now that he's a bit older. He had four points in this game. Brendan Bomberry, the boy, first game uh, playing forward full time for this team. I think that's going to help their offense a bit, but their transition game definitely is going to lack with Brendan now playing up top. He had four points in this game and Shane Jackson had four points. Uh, with a hat trick and Shane led the team in goals. The the issues I had in this game were Georgia's power play was so disappointing. You allowed Colorado to score shorthanded goals in this game three times uh, on with three different goal scorers as well, which is quite interesting. Uh, and one of the goals that uh, Colorado scored was like right after a power play ended. So a lot of, you know, switches were happening, a lot of substitutions. The The power play for Georgia was tough. Their defense is young. Uh, they don't have a lot of chemistry together yet. And I think that's going to be a problem early on until they can knock some of the rust off and, and get some of the, you know, juices flowing together. I, I was... It was a disappointing, you know, just like overall game, I think, for first game of the season from Georgia. Overall, very impressive game from Colorado. They had scored 16 goals. Uh, you know, Zeddy ball game kind of going to be the focal point of your offense now with Eli McLaughlin and Ryan Lee having a big three like that. And then Tyler Digby's right there as well. Colorado is going to be very, very fun. Georgia, I said it before we started recording, DJ. It's one game, I know. Uh, but overreaction uh, from this game is Georgia might be sellers at the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, but like, it, it seems like they're 
moving away from what they had mm-hmm. and and trying to find something new. Maybe they're going young to surround Lyle and, and Shane, which I mean isn't a terrible idea because there no. are some decent young guys coming out. But I feel like they need like one more guy, mm-hmm. and maybe not even an offensive guy. Maybe it's a transition guy, but they need one more guy. Yeah, and I think the other takeaway I had was Mike Poulin. Like, he's he's a legend, but he also looked like a guy who just signed his contract and and was coming in to play this game. He let up 14 goals before they let Craig Wendy come in uh, in relief. And, you know, you just hope Mike Pullen knocks the rust off, you know, in his 15th season uh, because they're going to need elite goaltending by Mike Pullen in front of a defense that is quite young and pretty, you know, inexperienced as a unit. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's where all their troubles are really going to come this year is the inexperience. But, you know, that's going to depend on how hard those young guys work, you know. Just that one game against Colorado, especially playing a guy like Zed, that and and shooting against Dylan Ward, who had forty two saves, forty eight. They gave him forty eight saves. Bananas. So it's you know that's good experience to have and learn from. Okay, I can't do this, I can't do that, but I could do this, this, and this, or I can do this, this, this. So if they're able to build off of that very quickly, Georgia could once again look more like what we predicted at the beginning of the year even though they are surrounding around two guys, it's all going to depend on how quick the guys that they picked up decide to, you know, kind of step it up. Yeah. And speaking of Dylan Ward, I've got my, uh, a hot dog is a sandwich podcast shirt on shout out to, uh, mythical entertainment. Uh, it's only fitting that I'm wearing this shirt and we're talking about Dylan Ward. If you know, you know, real lacrosse Twitter people know, uh, if a hot dog is a sandwich or not. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> it's a hot dog. Uh, Georgia, though, uh, kind of disappointing. But, I mean, it's big for all the teams in the East. You know, week one, Georgia losing to a team in the West, and they kind of fall back in the standings a bit. Um, and that brings us to uh, an East-West matchup to wrap things up where there's not much to talk about here other than uh, the Chaotic Bandits or the Chaotic Bandits, the boy Tahoka with an absolute banger of a debut. Josh Byrne, Dane Smith doing the damn thing. Chase Frazier scores in this game. Matt Vince looked great. He leads the league and saves with 49. And uh, Dane Smith, one of your players of the week this week, along with Jeff Teat. Um, I mean, not much to say other than, like, Buffalo is, is a wagon. Oh, yeah. And Buffalo's just as good as we thought they were going to be. Um, they have so many options. Like, the fact, like I was telling you pre-show, like, we could literally see Chase Frazier go to a complete transition role because they have enough offensive talent where they don't necessarily need him down there. That's bananas. Like, yep. Because Chase Frazier could go somewhere else and exclusively be an offensive guy. So like they, they're very much poised to get back to a championship game and possibly win it. Like Maybe they're my favorite now. Not going to say my favorite team, but they might be my favorite to win. <laughs> Their switchability is just so lethal. And to watch Dane play defense the way he did that entire game, yep. it, you know, he constantly was just, like, stuck on D. And I was like, oh, Dane's stuck on D. They're, they're going to get at him. And, he know, ain't stuck. They're going to make something happen. He was not stuck. Man's played phenomenal defense. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, 
This is that also changes. This is NOL Dane. Because, you know, you got Dane playing on the perimeter and, you know, the shot goes up. You got Matt Vincent net. Oh, this is getting saved. Let me leak out. Mm-hmm. Dane Smith on a one on oh with the goal. It's, that's a goal how many times it's out of 10? Over. It's a wrap. Like, that's bananas. Um, and I mean, podcast science, ladies and gents. Jesse King followed us on Twitter before their game. He scores a goal in this one. Had a great game. Shout out to the Kinger. Um, just goes to show you, San Diego and Georgia, if you followed us on Twitter, you would have balanced some things out there. Um, but, DJ, week one in the books. Before we get to our picks of the week segment, are there any teams eliminated from being your favorite team that you will be rooting for in the NLL after week one? Uh, there was one team I texted you about. I'm trying to remember who it was. Let me go back and look. But there was a team that just did something, and they've been doing things that are just turning me off, and I officially think they are not my favorite team. Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already know. You already know. I think that's how it always goes, like, 45 minutes, and we're at, like, Chelsea. (laughs) What are we doing? Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Bins time. What's up? We're back. It's San Diego. Diggs is not going to like to hear that. <laughs> so San Diego officially eliminated, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. wild. That's They're wild. so good, but it's just... The small things that they do. I say, I say, you give everybody another week. Week one, there's a there's a lot to take in. There's a there's a lot of you know, just you know, opening week. I say, you give every team another week. Okay, I I think because I, I feel like play wise, because I think that's what matters most. Team wise, San Diego is going to be in the in the running for you. Yeah, they're so good. That's the problem. Is there anybody, is there like a top three in terms of front runners right now after week one that like they, they boosted themselves? Um, obviously Buffalo for sure. Um, I know you were, you were hyping up Halifax when we were texting. That's true. Halifax looked really good. Um, I wouldn't mind being a Halifax fan. And maybe I gotta say it. 
the wings. There we go. The wings. There somehow, we go. Somehow they squeeze in the top three for now. <laughs> Let's hey. wait until I see a Colorado home game, see a rush home game. That, that might change. Hey, Colorado, I kind of claim Colorado. Like They're like my little side piece. Like I love rooting for them because they made me look like a goddamn genius. Everybody knows the story. Um, but, man, I'll tell you what. Watching Matt Rambo OT winners, it, it hits different when you're rooting for it. I believe it. I believe it. I, it's so great. I've got to root for it. So. Also, shout out Matt Rambo for complimenting my outfit choice uh, last week. You always got fired. In the face. post-game press conference, he said, yo, nice shirt. And I got it recorded, so I'll probably plug it in here because it's <laughs> hilarious. Also, Paul Day, electric in the post-game press conference. He walks into the media room, and he's like, can I curse? We are like, yeah. He's like, it's fucking great to be back. <laughs> Just an absolute weapon. Um, so, yeah, I think every week we'll we'll give an update on, like, teams that are in your top three, teams that might have fallen out, and the teams that you're eliminating from uh, fandom contention. Yeah, I think I think that'll work. I It'll progressively get smaller and smaller. Um, so this Vegas, week we got... Vegas is still in the mix, even though they're not yeah. officially a team yet. They are in the mix. So who was it this week? It was uh, Buffalo, Halifax... And the wings. And I promise I'm not a bandwagon, but those teams look good. Their fans mm-hmm. sounded nice. Their social teams are good. Wells Fargo Center was bumping. It was awesome to see. And, I mean, you were trying to win me over sending me pictures from up in the box. <laughs> so, I mean. Love my bird's eye view. That didn't that didn't help in not putting the wings in the top three. <laughs> Uh, so that'll, we'll, we'll find a way to work something in with, uh, your, your updated fandom each and every week. But DJ, now that week one is in the books, I think it is time for us to get to our picks of the week. And ladies and gentlemen, picks of the week brought to you by our friends at pickup. You guys can go to playpickup.com Now start building your pro fan profile by playing the hottest headlines in sports playpickup.com is the place to be and you know you can cash in your points that you earn for positive props for uh, some Fanatics gift cards which the NLL merch just so happens to be on so go to playpickup.com now our week 2 NLL picks of the week powered by pickup we got some fire games this weekend DJ we got 3 Friday night games starting at 6 o'clock p.m. in Halifax Alterna Cup matchup Toronto Rock Halifax Thunderbirds how do you see this one playing out with two 1 and 0 teams This one is is an in the air one for me. Um, I think it might be another one point game that possibly goes to overtime. Um, I really like Toronto's offense. Mitch Disnew, like I pointed out last week, fits right in with Challen Rogers and Tom Schreiber and they all looked so good together. And they got help from Treasy in the defense and transition. Um, they're looking like a team that's poised to make a nice run if they continue to play this way. But like we've said a thousand times, Halifax is stacked. And Warren Hill is playing out of his mind to start the year. Um, so I got Halifax winning a one-goal game. Yeah, I, I like this matchup. And, you know, we got an update earlier. TD Ireland activated. He's on the active roster. So we could have a TD versus Jake Withers face-off matchup, which just... Feed it to me, injected into my veins 
Um, I'm going to be intrigued to see how this one plays out, to see how Toronto plays things uh, offensively and uh, how they can try to stop this Halifax offense that is going to be absolutely lethal. I think both of these teams, we can both agree, kind of underperformed in terms of offense last week. Um, but I think I have Halifax winning this one by like two goals, uh, and they'll improve to 2-0, and and Toronto drops to 1-1 one and one on the season. Plus that home floor advantage for Halifax is just, you can't, it, it's tough to pick against Halifax when they're at home. Oh, it's very hard. I could I could hear their fans through the through the TV. They were extremely loud, and they feed off that energy so much. Like, that's NLL home field advantage is unlike any other home field advantage I've experienced. It, it's different. I don't know Built how different. to ex- I don't know how to explain it, but like the teams feed off that much more than any other team has. And, yeah, and Halifax has a very nice home field advantage with guys like. Kyle Jackson, Jake Withers, like those guys, they give energy. Awesome. Tyson yeah. Bell, yeah, Tyson Bell, like if the crowd's going crazy, he does something, you know it's he's going to do something wild. Like, and it, they feed off of each other. The crowd feeds off of them. They feed off the crowd. It's going to be a fun game to watch, but I don't think it'll get out of hand for sure. Uh, and then the next game kicks off an hour and a half later. I thought this was a seven o'clock start. It's actually seven thirty. Uh, in South Philly, Friday night lacks rivalry matchup, New York, Philly, the Riptide and the Wings for the first time this season. Uh, I'm intrigued to watch the offenses again in this game kind of go toe-to-toe with each other. Um, but I think a lot of this game is going to come down to face-offs where the Riptide did a good job against Rochester, but you're not going up, up against Trevor Baptiste when you're playing Rochester. And Trevor proved he's still a force and, and easily – you know, top two in faceoffs. It's it's him and Jake Withers and, and Joe Nardella, but I think Trevor is making the case to be number one the way that he performed against Panther City. He hasn't skipped a beat. Uh, and if the Wings offense can kind of get going early in this one against a Riptide team uh, that, you know, gave up 13 goals to Rochester, who we both can kind of agree, I think, that the Wings offense as a whole is much better than Rochester's, I think the Wings walk away with another home win and improved to 2-0 on the season. Yeah, I really like, you know, where New York is trending and their offense looked good to, you know, kind of be relying on Gibson, uh, Crawford, and Teat. But I don't think they have enough to beat the Wings, and especially, mm-hmm. you know, bringing up the faceoffs. Like, I think the Wings will have the ball a lot more. And if they're able to score as much as they were able to score last week, even without the five-minute majors, yeah. then, you know, it's going to be quite a long day for New York. And I think the goaltending as well, Zach Higgins being your goalie, is a, a massive factor. Um, so I, I have Philly winning this one, as does DJ. I'm very excited for Wings Media Day on Friday as well. We'll have live coverage from the Wells Fargo Center bright and early Friday morning. Uh, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time is our final kickoff for these Friday games. Panther City's first home game in team history. Uh, they'll be hosting the Vancouver Warriors fresh off a win against San Diego. This game, I think, is one of the tougher ones to pick, knowing how both games played out for these two teams last week. Um, you know, you got Mitch VP, backpack boy Mitch Jones, and the rest of this Vancouver squad going up against a Panther City team that spreads the ball around. They're fast. They're going to be at home for the first time. Um, but I think I have Vancouver winning this game. 
And I'm going to go out on a limb and say this game might go to overtime. Um, but I have Vancouver winning a very close competitive physical matchup because I think Vancouver's going to force Panther City to kind of condense the way that they played against the Wings and really kind of be, you know, tight-knit rather than the widespread offense we saw from them uh, last week. But I think this game's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be very close. And, uh, you know, I just think Vancouver pulls out a win. Uh, and I, it's tough to pick Panther City to win a game when we haven't seen them pull out a win yet. Um, you got to see them, see how a winning environment works for them. But I think they're going to be rocking down at Dickey's Arena. But I think Vancouver has a slight edge in this game. Yeah, I like Vancouver to win this one. And, and mine is going to be on the on Del Bianco. I think he's going to have uh, a much better. Well, he didn't even have a bad game last week. But I think he's gonna well, have, he's Calgary's goalie. Yeah, you're right. Um, oh, who's. You talking about uh, it was Panther right City? No. Or oh, uh, Bouquet. Yeah, he had a great game. He was fantastic. Know, but... That's the best I've seen him play in all my years covering the NLL. Exactly. So it's like, I, you know, if he keeps playing like that, which I think he'll have another good game against Panther City, you know, as long as he doesn't, you know, oh, this is, is an expansion team. It's like learning how to play with each other. Mm-hmm. As long as he doesn't go into it with that mindset, he's going to have just as good as a game last week, and that's really going to throw Panther City off. Like, yeah, yeah, they played against Zach Higgins last week, but with the way he played last week and if he keeps playing like that, Vancouver's going to make the playoffs. I'm going to look really bad. Same. Uh, and I think this is another battle of goalies with Orleman and Bouquet playing up against each other. Orleman looked great for, like, three out of four quarters uh, for Panther City against the Wings. So battle of goaltenders, battle of offenses, and uh, very excited to see how things play out in this game. Let's kick it to Saturday. We've got the battle of the two teams owned by the same ownership group, uh, Buffalo Bandits at the Rochester Nighthawks at the Blue Cross Arena. Very impressed by Rochester in week one against the Riptide, but kind of similar situation uh, for them going up against a Buffalo team. You're, you're playing the Buffalo Bandits, and until I see the Bandits lose, I can't pick against them no matter where they're playing. Yeah, um, after watching Buffalo play last week, I think they might be the best team in the league right now. Um, so obviously I'm not going to pick them to lose this game. They looked absolutely phenomenal. And their offense picked up exactly where it left off last year and added to Hulka, which is bonkers. Mm-hmm. So um, I just don't think Rochester quite has enough, even though Sean Evans is filthy. And holding Katoni filthy. They're, they're good, but I just mm-hmm. don't think... I don't think they have enough. I, I want to see how Paul Dawson and the defense attack this matchup. That's, yeah. that's kind of what I'm going to be. Rochester's going to have to get physical to win this game. Oh, they're going to have to get very physical. But the problem is Dane Smith and Tahoka and Chris Coutier, uh, Chris Couche love being physical. Yes. So that's going to And play Chase. Him. Chase will just get in the mix no matter what. It's still going to play right into Buffalo's hands. You know, I don't think there's a way Rochester can win this game. I think it'll be... You know, like a three or four goal game. I don't think they get blown out, but also don't think they make it close either. Mm-hmm. Uh, 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. We get a battle of the Prairies. More Alterna Cup action. Uh, the Calgary Roughnecks and the Saskatchewan Rush out in Saskatchewan. Saskatoon, if you will. Uh, these two teams playing for the first time this year. 
Uh, tough game for Christian Del Bianco. He was all on Twitter, you know, like shit happens. Uh, love Christian, friend of the show. Uh, I just don't know if Calgary's going to have enough offense this year. Like, Jesse King's there, Curtis Dixon's there, but I don't know if they're going to have enough offense against these teams that are high-powered and, and have good lockdown defenses. I think Saskatchewan's going to be pissed coming off an overtime loss to Halifax. They're going to come home to a buzzing Saskatel Center for the first time this year. Uh, I think Sask- uh, Saskatchewan's going to win this one easily. Yeah, I'd agree with you there. I like I like the rush to win this one. Um, but I think I want to see Zach Courier play more on offense mm-hmm. with Calgary. Um, he had, I think, two, but he had the one very nice uh, breakout in the transition off the save and got the, uh, the one on O. But, yeah, I want to see him play more on offense. He can be very helpful to Jesse King and, and Curtis Dixon, who are definitely, you know, carrying the load big time. Yeah. So, you know, if he can get down there and help, they could squeeze out a win in this game, and they could also, you know, squeeze out a few more wins later in the year. But offense is definitely going to be a problem with them, uh, you know, being returning champs and all. But it doesn't matter when you lose Dane Doby and your offense doesn't really recover from it. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they're going to win this week either. Yeah. Uh, and then another 8.30 p.m. Eastern time start out in Colorado, San Diego, and the Seals squad coming off a tough loss. They go to Colorado to take on the Mammoth. Mammoth wearing those blackout uniforms, DJ. You know I can't pick against the blackout uniforms. I think Colorado's offense looked phenomenal and even better than I predicted it would be uh, going into that game against Georgia. And for San Diego to have an offense that they have and only put up seven points on Vancouver when you're playing against Alex Bouquet, and now you got to play against Dylan Ward. Um, sorry about your luck, San Diego, but you might start this season 0 2, and that's where I'm going to go. I have Colorado winning this game. Yeah, I don't think I can vote against the All Black. I think, um, you know, it's called the Loud House for one. So that is absolutely bananas. It's going to be crazy in there. Everybody's wearing black. First home game of the season. First home game since the return of the NLL. And those jerseys are beautiful. Put them on Fanatics right now. Michael Rubin, if you're listening to this, put them on Fanatics. So I, I I don't see Colorado losing this game, but I do see it being close one or two goal game. Um, San Diego definitely going to come out with some fire after losing last week. They're going to start 0-2, but they might pop off very soon for like a 4-5, or 6-game win streak. Yeah, I totally agree. And then we have one Sunday game that I will be in attendance for, as will the boy fellow Redwoods fan, Stephen McAvoy. Uh, we'll be linking up with him for the first time. The Georgia Swarm head to Long Island to take on the Riptide. Riptide have two games this weekend, Albany on a bye this week. Um, Georgia coming off a tough loss to Colorado. New York coming off a crushing overtime loss. They're back at home. Uh, you know, having to play on Friday and then Sunday will be tough. How do you see this one playing out, DJ? I would love to say um, that the fans in Nassau Coliseum are going to really help the Riptide win this one, but I think Georgia's going to be thinking the way the same way I'm thinking about this game, and it's a must-win for them. You know, starting 0-2 with their power play and their offense looking the way it is is not an option. 
So I think Georgia comes out with a win off the simple fact that if they're going to do anything this year and get moving, that they have to win this game. You know, this is a matchup that is very favorable for you, even though, you know, your team isn't as strong as it just was. New York is in the same boat. They're almost in a rebuilding stage. They're trying to figure things out. Their team isn't that strong. This is a game you have to win. I'm going to take everything you just said, and instead of it saying Georgia, make it New York. New York's going to come into this game, by our prediction, 0-2. If they fall to 0-3, it's going to be tough to bounce back in this East Division. Uh, I think New York is going to play to the home crowd. I think they played really well at home against Rochester. After watching Georgia, I got to see them prove you know, themselves on defense, on their power plays, uh, both offensively and defensively. I got to see Georgia prove a lot to me before I can feel confident picking them this season. Uh, so I think the Riptide are going to go one and one this weekend. They're going to pull a, an upset win over Georgia at home, and uh, they're going to be one and two. So we once again go into this week, DJ, with one game where we are different. And uh, last week, I won that battle. I picked Colorado. You picked Georgia. Um, so I went five and two last week. You went four and three. Um, not awful for opening week to you know both be above five hundred. And especially for me, who, disclaimer, even though it's very late, I'm absolutely apologizing to our Canadian viewers. I know absolutely nothing, and it's been shown. So that is out there. I apologize. That's done. But, yeah, to basically know nothing, to go four and three, I won't complain. Yeah, I would take that. I, I knew absolutely everything about the PLO, and I got, like, every game wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> I will not complain about being four and three. Yeah, four and three, five and two. Uh, you know, combined, what's that? Nine and five on the on the season combined as a show. Uh, we'll take that. Uh, but right now, I'm winning our OTB pick'em. Brought to you by Pickup, and those are our picks of the week. Brought to you by those beautiful humans at Pickup. Playpickup.com. Start playing the hottest headlines in sports. Rack up points on your fan profiles and cash them in for prizes at Playpickup.com. DJ. You almost had an aneurysm this week. To get the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get In The Whole Pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And it was because of the PLL Top 50 list being revealed, uh, voted on by the players, and there are some cases where you said there's a, there's a bit of head scratching going on uh, by you. We're going to just go quick hits on these because about half of the list is out as we're recording this right now. Uh, we'll see the other half next week, but I will also be on the Twitter spaces uh, tomorrow at 2 p.m. with the PLL with Joe Keegan, Lisa Redmond, Leah Murphy, and the rest of the crew talking about this list. Um, but let's start from, you know, number 50, and we'll make our way down. Uh, we'll do some quick hits on some of these. If we agree, disagree, we'll discuss. But the top 50 list is uh, there's some interesting ones on here, to say the least. Uh, the top fifth from 41 to 50 Starting with number 50, Joel White obviously retires, clocks in at number 50. 
Scott Ratliff at 49, Jake Withers at 48, Tim Troutner at 47, Stephen Reefus at 46, Colin Heacock at 45, Connor Kelly at 44, Kieran McCardle at 43, Brody Merrill at 42, and Adam Gittleman at 41. I think you and I, for the most part, were okay with most of these. Um, outside of the fact that the PLL put a graphic out saying four of these five guys made the list, four of those guys were right there, and the other guy missing is Mac O'Keefe. So Mac O'Keefe, not in the top 50. Yeah, that was a little... It wasn't a total surprise to me, but I did find it also very surprising because, I mean, he won a championship and he is a pivotal part did, of it. Yeah, I say he honestly did a lot and scored some very key goals for that. Won a team, game so. winner against Redwoods in Baltimore. Like he was, he was pivotal for chaos this year. Yeah, but like you, you know, like you said, it's on the players. So I mean, I could see the players finding. 50 other players better than Mac O'Keefe. I was I was very surprised by that. And honestly, for me, I would have had Mac O'Keefe like mid-30s this year with how good he was and how like important he was to chaos and just how good of a rookie season he had. Um, I think he was better than Heacock this year because looking at it from this perspective, and this is no disrespect to Colin Heacock, he just didn't start playing until about you know, the right way that we saw him play until about halfway through the season where Mac was contributing in a multitude of different ways. It might not have been goal scoring, but he was out there contributing, moving the ball around in like the passing game, assisting goals. And then as the season progressed, Mac got more important in, you know, the goal scoring department. But I was, I was very surprised Mac O'Keefe was left off this list. Yeah, like I said, you know, it wasn't completely surprising to me, but it was because, like you said, just being a decoy, moving the ball around, being out there, he made a difference. But he also made a difference scoring the goals and, you know, being productive. But I also see, you know, being a rookie, you know, he scored some big goals, but his goal total wasn't really that high. He didn't have that many assists. Like I see how players could find a guy like Colin Heacock more worthy of a top 50 because you say he was more productive would you say mac was a top five rookie this year because i would that's hard because i think i think it was it was obviously jeff t jake caraway um trying to think of who else that I'm like just blanking on right now. Well, you gotta say Jackson because you're in love. Jackson, with Jackson, my boy. Um, Ethan Walker, and then Mac O'Keefe. TD. That's true. TD's probably in there somewhere. Um, man. Danny Logan. Yeah. That's fair. Max probably a top 10 rookie. Top 7 maybe. Top 8. Still elite rookie. Oh, yeah. Definitely an elite rookie. And he's going to be, you know, he's next year he'll probably make this top 50 list. This is a chip on his shoulder. I'll say that. Oh, 1,000%. Especially with that graphic going up. and mm-hmm. you know That's now such a smack in the face. Yeah, it's like being such a talk that he was the one left off the list. Like he's not yeah. going to forget that. So I think dial up this NLL season for one. He's mm-hmm. about to be popping off. And then PLL comes back and 
Chaotic Bandits might be going for round two. Uh, numbers 40 to 31, which is where DJ's aneurysm started to take place. Uh, number 40, Rylan Reese. Number 39, Sergio Perkovic. Number 38, friend of the show, Jay Carlson. Number 37, Ryan Brown. Number 36, Michael Rexroad. Number 35, Will Manny. Number 34, Ben Randall. Number 33, Mikey Schlosser. Number 32, Eric Law. And number 31, friend of the show, Dylan Ward. Yeah, um, Jay, way too high in my opinion. Like High as in should have been like lower 30s? 20s. Oh, okay. That, that's what I <laughs> No, because like, it's tough to like... Oh yeah. Figure out with, with high or lower. Um, yeah, no, I but, definitely. Yeah, I agree. I think Jay should have been like like mid twenties the way he yeah, played this year. Not even just this year. You can go back to last. Year. Which last year Jay Carlson was not even ranked. Right. Which is also bananas to me. Bonkers. But I, I do crazy. think I do think Jay had his best season this year by far. Oh, a thousand percent. Like I don't think there was a PLL weekend that I didn't tweet about garbage man. Mm-hmm. Like I could probably search up Garbage Man in my tweets, and there's gonna be like twenty tweets from one weekend coming up because it's like the guy was just on it. Everything in the crease was his, and and it went in the back of the net. Like I don't understand how they voted him thirty eight. Like to me, it, we can go back and you, you can go back and listen. Like there were countless OTB episodes where I went. The real matchup to watch in this Whipsnakes game is who's gonna guard Jake Carlson and yep. how well they do. Because he was that pivotal to their team, and he's only 38. I thought that was a little low, and maybe I'm being a little biased with Mikey Slosser, but I thought he also should have been higher ranked as well. At 33, I thought he also should have made it kind of low 20s, maybe mid-20s as well. I was cool with Mikey being at 33, mostly because there were a few weeks where like he was kind of held – you know, in check by whatever team, you know, the Water Dogs were playing against, and it wasn't his week. So for him to come in first year in the PLL and be a top 35 player, I think is very impressive on Mikey Schlosser's part. I do too, but I just think he he played such a, such a big role, even though it's, like, hard to explain. Like, he had such a good year for the role he played with the Water Dogs, mm-hmm. you know. At first, it was Sowers and Kraus and Reeves and Kelly and McArdle. And then, you know, Sowers gets hurt. Kraus stops playing. And they're asking him to play a bigger role. He steps up. He scores goals. But also, when he's playing that smaller role, he still picked up ground balls. He still got assists. He scored a goal here and there. Like, it seemed like he made the very most of his opportunities. And it should have granted a little bit more. In, in my opinion, but like I said, I'm probably being biased to another Michigan. A little bit. A little Michigan biaser, but I think 33 is like, I think that's a perfect spot for him because he the only way he can go is up, and he might have gotten a little knock for uh, just finishing last in the, the fastest shot competition. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure of it. Shout out to the boy. Um, Dylan Ward clocking in at 31 is great. He wasn't on the list last year, obviously, because he barely played uh, because he's backing up Blaze. Uh, I think Perk being 39 this year after he finished 30 in 2020 was a surprise because you look at when Perk was out with injury and how much the Redwoods offense and transition game and, you know, that midfield defensively missed Perk. Um, I was surprised he clocked in at 39. 
See, my thing with that was I felt like that was okay because he didn't have – he couldn't have had that good of a year because of Miles. That's Miles's fair. year was so good that he he suffered from that. Like, yeah, Perk was there. We got his twos. He played some decent defense and had some stuff in transition. But Miles and Jules were those midfielders for us this year. It wasn't Miles and Serge. It was Miles and Jules. So I'm not surprised to see him lose a few. But also, I know that all he does around this time of year is shoot. He literally just shoots and shoots and shoots in Chicago all offseason. So mm-hmm. wouldn't be surprised to see this be a chip on his huge shoulders and six fives for him. So we might see a lot more perking lot two hours next year. And I mean, Keeks tweeted this out, and this is a wild stat. Uh, since the 2019 postseason, Perk has shot 13 for 27, which is 48.1% from two-point range. That's like shooting 26 for 27, 96, 96.3% from inside the arc. That's bananas. <laughs> that's literally bananas. Insane. So that's why I kind of found it interesting that he clocked in where he did, but um, I totally understand your argument with the season Miles had and everything, but I thought Perk was phenomenal this year, and when he was out of the lineup, it was felt. Um, So that's where my argument came in. The next part of this list, you had a couple issues with. I was, like, kind of fine outside of one because I thought he should have been a little bit he should have been tweeted out a little bit later, but this is 30 through 26. Tucker Durkin comes in at number 30. Marcus Holman comes in at 29. Matt Cavanaugh comes in at 28. Liam Burns comes in at 27. And Jules comes in at 26. Uh, one, obviously, Marcus Holman being at 29 is great because the bubble season he had was not great for him. Um, so good to see him bounce back this year. Cav drops from number 11 to 28, and I think that's just a product of RP3 being in this offense and not a lot of things being run through Cav as much as they were in the bubble. Um, Liam Burns was my big like shocker at 27, being as good as he was for the Water Dogs. Um, I thought he would have been you know top 25, but he clocks in at 27. You had your biggest gripe with Jules being at 26, but I feel like I kind of justified it a little bit for you. Um, in a sense where Jules didn't play last year and for him to come out, had the season he did, which was phenomenal. Um, and to come out and be a top 26 player after, you know, dealing with COVID dealing with the heart condition that was discovered because of COVID missing an entire year of his career and then coming out and playing the way he did. I thought, you know, what a job by Jules. Yeah, that definitely made it a little better, but my thing was like, he was the woods like starter it seemed like every game other than the first game of the year jewel scored the first goal mm-hmm. miles go-to guy the one he had the most assists to this year jules like and he shot almost 50 percent and 97 percent of his shots were on cage like that's ridiculous and i think jules playing a different position this year too is also impressive for him to clock in at 26 like he was playing at X in 2019 when he was acquired by Redwoods in that trade. And then for him to come in and kind of play like a hybrid, you know, fourth attackman, midfielder position, I, I think just a an all-around awesome bounce-back year for Jules. Yeah, and I think he'll take another step next year, and mm-hmm. that's probably where we'll see him step up and move up that ladder. 
in, in terms of these this player list and because it's like a foolproof matchup for him. Mm-hmm. He's an attackman that you move to midfield. Can you put a short stick on him? No, that's a guaranteed goal. But can right. you put a long pole on him? No, he plays against long poles. It's a foolproof matchup. That's kind of also why I was upset. I was like, he literally can't be guarded. And he showed <laughs> that so many times this year. And he was so low. But, you know, like you said, he has so many, you know, missing last year and all these things that make that 26 look good. I can almost be okay with it. And I had a little bit of a gripe with Liam Burns as well being low. I felt like, mm-hmm. you know, he started on a defense that struggled at the beginning of the year. And he had the most caused turnovers on that defense. And they ended up being the number one team in the league. How is he only, what, 27? I thought yeah. he definitely should have been top 25, maybe top 20. Totally agree. I, I was stunned that he was at 27, but I mean, for his first year in the PLL to be a top 27 player, phenomenal year by him. And today is when you had your your big aneurysm, DJ, uh, with numbers 25 to 21. Uh, number 25 being the only former member of the top 50 list, everybody else newcomers. Uh, number 25, Garrett Eppel, number 24, Danny Logan, number 23, Brad Smith, uh, number 22 and a half, Brad Smith's mustache, uh, number 22, <laughs> Dane Smith, the boy, and number 21, Zach Goodrich. Um, before we get into our Garrett Eppel debate, 24 to 21, one, these four guys not on the list last year, either being new to the league or just didn't make the list. I think all of them deserved. It's awesome to see these four guys in 21 to 24. And next year, I guarantee all these guys are going to be top 20. Yeah, those guys have phenomenal years. And, you know, it's just a building block pretty much. And, you know, they're all in schemes that make them look good and they can fit into them and play well. So excited to see how they build off of that and move up and next year. Kind of see – I'm also excited to see who they kick out, you know, who yeah. takes their spot where they are if they move lower. Well, we already know Joel White's going to be off the list. The list. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, and Paul Rabel's going to be off the list. John mm-hmm. Galloway, if he ends up making the list, is not going to be on the list. You know, we know these things. Yeah. Um, I think the two on here that we'll, that we'll talk about offensively because they took such a massive step forward – Dane and Brad Smith being on here, one, amazing. Two, it's a testament to just where they took their game from what they did in the bubble to this year in a grander, you know, actual full season scale. Both of these guys, with without them on their teams, Chaos and Whipsnakes don't do nearly as much without them. And I think Brad playing as kind of like that fourth attackman in a, in a hybrid way, kind of like Jules almost for Whipsnakes, He's going to be so damn good next year. And same thing with Dane, taking a step forward in the field game, the way he's been able to kind of just grasp his role as like an offensive midfielder and and really be a, a goal-scoring contributor for this chaos offense that is that eerily similar to the box game type deal. Those two guys really took a step forward for me uh, in just watching their games evolve. And then with Danny Logan and, and Zach Goodrich, like, come on. Those were two guys that were just mainstays in everybody's mouths all season long uh, that actually watched the game's, like, intricacies. And those two guys are going to be mainstays in this league for a decade. 
Yeah, no, those guys are going to be fantastic. I really like Zach Goodrich. Like, uh, Joe Keeks tweeted out a clip not too long ago. Dude's reverse V hold is actually like a felony offense. It's ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> how bad. Like, he's just so strong and it's crazy um, how well he does that. He plays very good defense and can get out in transition and get some things going offensively as well. So he'll only get better, especially playing with the cannons. It's, you, you know, a lot of times it's going to be, oh, we're going to let Zach Goodrich shoot because are we going to let Lyle Thompson shoot? Probably not. Shane mm-hmm. Jackson? Probably not. You know, so he's in, a, he's in a good position to continue to do well. So I'm excited for that. And now I'm ready to talk about that one guy. Garrett Apple. Our, our love-hate relationship with Garrett Apple. Um, 25 with the guys that are behind him. I feel like there were guys better than him this year. Garrett, I think, had a much better, just uh, well-kept temper this year than he did in the bubble. Um, he contributed on offense. We had that obvious, you know, that pick six goal that we talk about all the time uh, where he went coast to coast. And I think overall had a better year than he did last year, just in terms of being able to have a longer season. But 25 felt very high for me. And I feel like you and I, are in the minority talking about Garrett Apple, where everybody thinks, you know, he's phenomenal and he's, he's a great player. Don't get us wrong, but there's so many boneheaded mistakes that he makes. Um, his feet get flat a lot and 25 just seemed pretty high for me. I probably would have had him in like the mid thirties. Um, so not like that much further behind, but I thought 25 was was pretty high for Garrett Apple when I saw that today. I was kind of surprised. Yeah, you know, I was very surprised seeing him at 25. Huh? Nick Osello was probably extremely happy. You know, I mean, all the Notre Dame boys were probably extremely happy. He, he Nick just loves the the flat feet, late and high, and that is Garrett Apple's specialty. So <laughs> to see him at 25, he probably loved it. I mean, I don't have too much problem. Like I, like you said, he had a pretty good year. He played pretty decent defensively other than having flat feet and sliding late and high sometimes and picking up some student pe- uh, stupid penalties. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he had two goals I can remember off the top of my head. He might have had a third this year. And, I, and if he didn't have a third, he had an assist. So, I mean, he did some things in transition. He played good defense. You know, he – in the fourth quarter, he actually played really good defense and mm-hmm. that helped us win a couple games and had us in some games that we could have won. So can't complain too much about how he played this year. And he did keep his temper under control, which I liked, but also don't think he deserved 25. Yeah, I was I was a little shocked by that, but hey, we might be stupid and we might be wrong and we might just be under-evaluating a guy who plays for the team we, you know, root for. Um, we'll talk about next week the, the rest of the list, which will be the top 20. Um, but obviously, speaking of, of the woods, it's our guy, friend of the show, uh, big time supporter of the show, Nat St. Lorenz birthday. Got to give a birthday shout out to one of the best to ever do it. Just a guy who supported us from day one uh, with this show, with covering the PLL. He loves coming on our show because we keep it 100. We keep it real with him and he feels comfortable, you know, bringing it each and every week with us, you know, he's, he's one of the best to ever do it. Um, so happy birthday to, to Nat St. Laurent. Happy birthday, coach Nat. Um, you know, I think you're like the coolest coach on the planet. Um, 
And I like what you're doing down in Ohio Northern. I know um, a lot of people see that and just to be in the area and see Midwest lacrosse grow and what you're doing in the area is awesome. So keep that up and let's get the woods a chip. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to end on a feel good because that's what we like to do here. We like feeling good uh, with this podcast. And uh, one of the coolest stories we saw this week on lacrosse Twitter was uh, just really, really dope to, to kind of just read and see. This is from Scott Burnham uh, on the Twitter machine. He tweeted out a couple days ago, I was going through my son's homework and found this, had no clue he did this. Gotta love who he chose to spend a day with. And he tags Kyle Jackson, Chaos, Andy Towers, Iroquois Lax, uh, the Annapolis Hawks, which is just like a, uh, I guess, club team, uh, Blaze Reardon, Jared Newman. And it reads, if I was with Kyle Jackson for a day, uh, he also got a, a 9.5 out of 10 on this assignment, so obviously it was good. Uh, he says, if I was with Kyle Jackson for a day, I would be nervous because he is a pro lacrosse player for the Team Chaos. Kyle's name is actually David, so I might ask why he changed his name. I would ask him why he started to play lacrosse. I would also ask if he would choose his career again. Uh, if I was Kyle Jackson, uh, we would work on shooting in between the legs because he is known for that. He might also teach me uh, to shoot better behind the back. I would like to meet Blaze Reardon. He is a goalie. I would also like to meet Jared Newman because he has the fastest shot in the PLL, uh, recording in 117 miles per hour. Uh, kid in the ball. PLL is the professional lacrosse league. It's premier lacrosse league, but it's all good. He's young. He's a young boy. Um, I would ask at the end of the day why he plays lacrosse i would ask how many hours he practices so i can try to be as good that's why i think it would be great to spend a day with kyle jackson what an awesome just assignment to find if you're a dad in the backpack and just an awesome uh you know thing to kind of come across and that's just showing where lacrosse is going as a sport and uh pretty dope to see yeah, no, it's really exciting to see that, you know, um, especially KJ, you know, Michigan man, once again, that Midwest thing, getting lacrosse going here again. I mean, high school level, it's it's huge. So um, just getting pro teams back here, college teams, he's doing a great job representing for the Midwest. And I mean, who wouldn't want to hang out with chaos? I would love to. I mean, so hopefully this guy gets a chance, uh, little guy gets a chance to and make his day and. I mean, that's just such a feel-good story. Like, I would never thought to write something like that. Ask me who I'm spending the day with, I'd say something stupid like Michael Jackson or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and this guy's doing it right, you know, talking about best players in the world and wanting to get better. So it's always good to see young kids loving the sport and the sport continue to grow. Absolutely. So we wanted to end with a feel-good here on episode 199 of OTB. Be sure to follow us on social media. Thank you guys for 1,300 followers. Uh, hopefully we keep that thing growing. At OTB Laxpod on Twitter and Instagram. Follow DJ at SCS underscore next great. Follow me at KBICZL311. Check out the website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. And be sure to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to the podcast. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Give us your week two predictions for the NLL. Give us your own feel-good story of who you'd want to spend the day with in the lacrosse world, how you're feeling about this top 50 list in the PLL, 
and anything else that comes to mind lacrosse-wise or show-wise, inside joke-wise, that you know from OTB. But it's got to be five stars. Five stars only. We have standards. We know you do, too, and we know they're five stars. Uh, you can also check us out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Big thank you to our sponsors, Tomahawk Shades, Stateside Vodka, and Kenwood Beer. Go to TomahawkShades.com. Use promo code USP. Get 25% off your entire order at TomahawkShades.com. Stateside Urban Craft Vodka. Get the vodka soda party packs at StatesideVodka.com. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. And the boys over at Kenwood Beer. Go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Tracker to see who's got Kenwood on tap. you got to be 21 or older to do so. And, of course, please drink responsibly. This has been episode number 199, the final episode in the 100s run. We go to episode 200 next week, which is bonkers. Working on getting a a very fun big-time guest for that episode to celebrate 200 episodes of Outside the Box. But this has been episode number 199 of the allegedly award-nominated Outside the Box podcast, part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. For DJ, I'm KB, and we are signing off. Peace. Peace.